Welcome to Riveting Broads, a platform for women to riff on what matters most. We're your hosts, Jackie Richard and Molly Merluzzi. We've found that the conversations in media and politics about women are too often about them instead of with them. And we plan to change that. From thoughts on vulnerability, identity, privilege, culture, gender, sexuality, and everything in between, we talk about it all. Join us. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for coming to join us. So I'm Jackie Richard. I am a co-host of a podcast called Riveting Broads. My co-host is away in Florida, so I'm happy to be filling in and representing. This panel is about women builders. So we are learning from the experts. They've, they've built their own homes. They're kind of a living example of just some of the capabilities that we as women have. So I'm excited to get started. So thank you all for being here and joining me. Um, before we get too deep into it, maybe we go around and do an introduction and say your name, how long you've been in your house, and what kind of dwelling you live in. All right, my name is Miranda Ashleen. I live in Aubergine, which at the festival is right around the corner here. We're current doing, currently doing a live mural painting on it. So I built my house between June 2015 and June 2016. It was actually a, a double women builder build. Because uh, my mom, who you may have met if you went in my house, she built the entire thing with me. Uh, so it was the two of us, and then we had about 50 volunteers over the course of a year. Uh, my house's name is Aubergine, and you can find her on Instagram at, at Aubergine Tiny House. Hello, I'm Andrea Burns. My house is not here, unfortunately. I'm going to drive it up next year, though, I promise. Um, <laughs> she's in Atlanta, Georgia at the moment, and uh, I've been living in it for about three years. Um, I'm still building it. Once I got it livable and some insulation in there and, and all the outside is roadworthy, I moved in, and so I'm still working on it. But she's amazing. <laughs> Hi guys, I am Bryn of the Mama on the Rocks, and I live tiny with my husband and two kids, and we have done that for about two and a half years, and our dog, she's important, we should mention her. And we live in a 36-foot fifth wheel that we gutted and built to spec to suit our needs. Our son has some, some special needs, and so we wanted to make sure he had um, a calming area and a road schooling room and an area for him to do rock climbing, so we have a full rock climbing wall in our house. And yeah, we did that in two weeks, which I do not recommend, but <laughs> we love it and I would not go back. Hi, I'm Shorty Robbins. <clears throat> I'm originally from right around the corner here in Lexington, but I now live in St. Augustine, Florida. And uh, that's my house right behind us over here, Nawaka. She is named after the camp out in East Otis, Massachusetts that I grew up going to. And um, probably my first uh, uh, taste of female empowerment was at Nawaka all-girls campfire camp, and um, I've been living in her for two and a half years, uh, built her um, starting in 2014, took me about three years to build her. And hello, I'm Nora Eschenheimer. Um, I live in this little home that we are all currently sitting on the porch or stage of, so the tiny traveling theater. Um, my boyfriend, Jesse, who is currently sound mixing, and I built this together, um, and we've been living in it for a year and a half, have about 9,000 miles under our belts, and I should introduce Lily, another powerhouse female, <laughs> our dog, so she too is part of our, uh, our little tiny traveling movement. And it was Lily's birthday yesterday, so happy birthday, Lily. Oh, <laughs> well, he's allowed. He's a worthy cause. So, so getting to know some of these women over the last couple of days has been really inspiring for someone like myself who really wants to own. And I'm sure a lot of you in the audience are curious as well. So, um, before we get too deep into you know what's what's been the female experience, I'm more curious of how long were you thinking about this concept? How long were you debating it before before you took action? And was there anything that held you back from taking action before you're like, you know what, I'm just going to do this? All right, so I found tiny houses in November 2013. I'm an avid journaler, so I've journaled every day for the past 11 years, which means I actually, it was November 13th, 2013. Uh, I found my article where I went, oh my goodness, there's this thing and I could live and actually not have to pay all my money into my rent. And that's why I live in a tiny house. 
Uh, so I found that. I read a blog post in June of 2014. I went to a tumbleweed workshop, um, and they, you know, had some explanations about how to build a tiny house. And then because I agree to do things when I'm not ready to do them, I hosted the first Massachusetts Tiny House Festival in September of 2014 without ever being in a tiny house and without ever hosting a festival. Uh, not my wisest decision, but now we're here. So good outcomes of poor decisions. Uh, <laughs> thank you. So I actually went pretty quick. I went, I found them in November 2013 and I started building in June of 2015. So it was just under two years between discovery and implementation. Um, I think the biggest challenge, which is pretty common, is where, the, where to put it, where to build it. Um, I actually did that in two different places. So I built as a public art project on the front lawn of an art center in Concord. And I got a building permit, actually, for my house. Yeah. Wow. I went in front of the Zoning Board of Appeals to ask them for a building permit because the city actually owned the land I was building on. Um, and the building inspector said I had to go. But by the time I got in front of them with all of my paperwork in order, they were like, well, you're not going to live in it there, right? And I was like, no, I'm just building a, a public art project that happens to look like a house. Uh, and so they're like, you don't really need a building permit, but we'll give you one. You're fine. Just chill. Um, so that's where I built it. And then finding the next place to put it. I've just been so lucky. A lot of generous people have actually offered me to park in their backyard. And that's what I've been doing. So those were my biggest fears and how I solved, solved them. So 20 <coughs> years ago, um, I was in college. And there was this rumor that living in a van down by the river was, was a thing. And I was like, that sounds awesome. Um, because I knew I wasn't going to live and like stay and work where I was going to college. So I didn't want to like set down roots, get too comfortable. I was like, a mobile living situation would be amazing. But then I also thought living in a van, which was basically our options. We had vans and RVs. Um, tiny windows, no insulation. I thought, eh, this may not be the healthiest choice. So 20-something years ago, I was like, I want to do this, but I want it to be a healthy situation. Like, the uh, transit over there with the huge windows and all that good stuff, if we'd had those, mm. I'd be a 20-year veteran. Right. Um, <laughs> but as it was, we didn't have any really good options. And so the first company that came out with building plans that you could buy, which I believe was Tumbleweed, um, I was like, wait, wait, we, we can do this. We can just build something heavier that you have to have a truck for. I'm in. Went to the first builder's workshop, bought all the things, and I started planning right then. I was uh, both feet all the way in. Um, bought a trailer, got laid off. <laughs> so essentially, my neighbor was like, I have a workshop that I'm moving out of do you want to park it over here? And, and I'm like, yeah. So I started couch surfing and working on my house. And I did that for two years. Wow. And then I was like, screw it. I'm going camping. <laughs> I went, I put my bed in there. All I had was the outside done and the inside had like, it has glorified cardboard on the walls to hold the insulation in. And I put my bed in there. We went camping and I never moved out. Good for you. Done. <laughs> so, our situation was a little different because I was doing this with children and um, honestly I would say my biggest uh, fear hold back opposition was probably my motivation for going tiny and that was just everyone said that we couldn't do it and I was like watch me yes. hold my wine yes. and so um, so basically uh, our like I said our eight-year-old son has special needs and he has what what we call invisible disabilities. So I started my blog, The Mom on the Rocks, writing about what I call extreme children, extreme parenting, um, because there was no resources or community for us. And so I said, well, I'm just going to make one. And uh, we were faced with basically financial hardship because of medical expenses. And um, we lived in what we thought was our dream house. We had a 15-acre farm with a 2,200-square-foot farmhouse and a barn and a workshop and fields and pond and all these things. But I just felt like all I did was clean and work, and my husband just worked and fixed fence and did all the things. And so that was a really sucky way to live, and we didn't love it. And so um, I saw an HGTV show, like I'm sure most of you did, while I was nursing my newborn daughter. And I was like, I can totally do this. And I was actually, I'm a very practical thinker, and I was like, 
this could be a solution to our problem meeting our son's needs and our financial situation. And so I made it my mission to, after we went tiny, to go on the road and educate people about, you know, whatever situation you're in, good, bad, or otherwise, we got there by our own choices. So we have to make difficult choices to get ourselves out of that situation. And that's what I write about and what I travel the country and speak about. And so... For us, it was an it was a means to an end. It was an, an opportunity to solve our problems, really. And that doesn't say life doesn't still happen, because it definitely does. We've still taken on medical debt and got ourselves in situations. Um, but uh, other than that, just the fact that we listed our home thinking we'd have years to work on this and it sold overnight, not our plan. I do not recommend that at all. Uh, so we only had two weeks to move. So that's why we got a 36-foot fifth wheel and built it to spec ourselves instead of going with the builder, which would have been our preferred plan. Um, we researched for a year, and that's why I have my e-course, Timeline to Tiny, that I sell so everyone can have those resources. Because if you come to something like this, it feels super overwhelming to be in front of all these awesome experts and feel like, I want all of your knowledge, but uh, how do I do this? Right. <laughs> and so lots of us have those kinds of resources, and we make that our mission to be able to educate people. Um, because we've already done it. And so we want to empower other people. And when they look at us and say, gosh, I wish I could do what you can do, I say, guess what? You can. Like, it's your choice. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that the biggest hurdle for us was something that I really took a lot of pride in and jumping over. So Good for you. That's amazing. I never intended to go tiny. It <laughs> wasn't, wasn't in the plan. Um, I, I built my tiny house after one very, very rainy reenactment. And everything I owned was wet, and the tent was wet, and the canvas, and the, the, the clothes, and the carpets, and the bedspreads, and everything was soaking wet. And um, I said, I can't do this anymore. And I had, um, at the time, let's see, three, four of my children, three grandchildren were with me, and, you know, we were all just miserable. And my daughter-in-law shows me a picture on her phone of Jay Schaefer's tumbleweed and said, guess what? Isn't this cute? This is on wheels. Why don't you build us one of these and we won't get rained on anymore? <laughs> and the next year, Jay Schaefer came to Orlando to do a workshop and we showed up dressed in these dresses. <laughs> and said, when they went around the room and said, Why are you going tiny? We said, Because we don't want to set up a tent anymore. <laughs> and that's how I started. And that was in 2013, 2012, the rainstorm, 2013, the workshop. And I started building in 2014. I just want to add, because this is a live podcast, so people will listen later. Shorty is in complete historical reenactment from 18th century? 19th century, 1800s. Yeah, I always get that wrong. Uh, so she's wearing an incredible, beautiful dress, which matches her uh, 18th century house. 19th century house. I see I always do it wrong. Victorian. Shorty is a Victorian historical reenactor, which is why she's wearing this and why she went tiny. So those of you at home, you're welcome. Thank you, Miranda. So I guess our voyage to becoming tiny was also sort of accidental. Um, I had done a lot of backpacking. So I'd been living out of a teeny tiny little backpack and flying all over the place and had very few possessions. And that's when I met Jesse Dufault, uh, the guy with the camera over there. <laughs> um, and it was sort of the first time I met somebody who shared the exact same life goals as me. And I had just been in Germany and I had heard about this performing arts troupe that was traveling to all the Syrian refugee camps to cheer up the kids um, that had gone through extremely difficult times and had been relocated. Um, so this troupe of actors and performers and dancers and clowns and uh, acrobats showed up unannounced and they would juggle and play duck duck goose and kids started to come out of their tents and meet each other. And then the parents started to come out of the tents to see the kids meeting each other, and then the parents started to meet each other. And out of simple games of like duck, duck, goose, and playing like, and jumping jacks and all sorts of other fun things and unicycling, a community was formed accidentally. And for the kids, it was the first time that they were getting to play, um, in some cases for years and for the parents it was the first time they had seen their kids be kids in the first time for years um it melted my heart in ways that i can't express and because of that i decided i wanted something like that to exist in america as well jesse having a giant heart 
decided that this is something we were going to take on together. And we started sketching out plans for this tiny little traveling, essentially, box on wheels that we're going to drag all over the country to places in need. The trouble is, is that as we started to discover the places that we wanted to go to, like places after natural disasters, impoverished areas, um, children's hospitals, nursing homes, we realized that we didn't want to show up, say, hey, we're going to do a show for you, but also, can we use your shower, and do you have anything to eat, and is there a place to sleep? Um, so that's when we started adding all of these extra elements. So the tiny traveling theater also became our home. Bravo. Bravo. Beautiful. Jesse, you sound great. Where are you? <laughs> yeah, you're a catch. Congratulations, Nora. Um, <laughs> well, you know, it's really beautiful, too, because I think that a lot of people think of tiny houses. They see them on TV, and they're like, oh, how great would it be to have a second home? That's a tiny house. But for everyone on the stage, it was a solution to a problem, right? So tiny houses are a huge solution to a lot of problems. There's still a lot of barriers of entry for especially women. So I, I'm very curious and selfishly, I really wanna know as a follow-up to all of your um, feedback is, what was your skill level going into this, right? Yeah, I know, yeah, I know. Because I think that for me personally, now I'm gonna speak from my vulnerable state, it's very intimidating to think about, I'm gonna take this on. So Miranda, you and your mom built your house, I know that, so I'll let you go into that of, you know, what, what was your skill set going in and what's your skill set leaving? And what were some things that you realized in the meantime about your personal capabilities and um, mental fortitude because I'm sure you go crazy doing it. <laughs> you do. You uh, <laughs> could just end that question there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, my mom has taught technical theater for most of her adult life. So she's built sets, she's built all types of furniture, but it only looks good from one side. And if you sit on it, it's not super comfortable. Uh, I had never picked up anything in my life except for helping her out. So sometimes she would ask her little daughter to come over and paint things. And but I had no construction experience. I was honestly afraid of um, saws in particular. Okay. Saws scared yes. me. Uh, I actually, a guy that I dated, his dad cut off two of his fingers, and he's a professional carpenter, and I was like, I do not want that. Yeah. My old landlord had a jagged pinky finger like this, and I was like, uh-uh. Yeah, yeah. So the guys, it happens to them too, by the way. All of us have all of our fingers. Ladies got this. Bravo. Um, Good job, ladies. <laughs> um, so yeah, I had absolutely no construction experience. What I always tell people who are starting to build is that Construction isn't rocket science, it's just really hard work. And women are really good at really hard work. Uh, so the hardest part about it is that every time you learn something, it's constant learning, you're done. Like, I love building walls. I finished building walls the first weekend, <laughs> wow. right? I was completely wow. done. Maybe it was like the third weekend, but it was really far back there. Um, and I actually found out from my construction experience that I really enjoyed doing the envelope of the house and was not so thrilled about the details inside. Mm. Uh, just because I'm not a I'm not a detail person, I like big things, uh, so I like building <laughs> no the house. You go figure. <laughs> go Look figure. At this. Um, yeah, so I had no construction experience, and coming out of it, um, one of my favorite things to do is be driving down the highway and see construction projects and be like, ah, I see you just put on your zip board, and soon you will be putting in your <laughs> windows and your flashing. And I just like have these little mental dialogues with myself as I see the guys working because it's still mostly guys in construction projects. And of course, they're building like three story giant things. But I just feel really empowered knowing how it works. Um, I think so few of us know what's happening in the walls of our homes. We don't know what to do. And this is all genders, all people. We live in pre-made houses for the most part now. And there's something really both empowering and deepening about knowing what's in your walls and having made them yourself in particular. So I did not have a construction background either. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> but my dad's an engineer and I was homeschooled. So that yes. meant I got to be a part of everything. Mm. And my dad's also a cheap bastard, which <laughs> I love because yeah. we fixed everything. If something broke, right. you figured out how it worked and you fixed it. So you grew up on DIY. Yes. yes. So I can fix anything, but I'd never built anything. Mm. So I knew how the tools worked. Um, but I didn't know what I was doing. Right. So that's why I bought the building plans to start with, because I was like, okay, I can figure out oh, an interior wall, because it doesn't have to be like super sturdy, but what 
goes into an exterior wall. I have no idea how many layers there are, and I don't want to forget one. So I bought the building plans, read them thoroughly, and I was like, I can do better than that. <laughs> Everything I touch is like that. I'm like, that's my dad, right? So I look at that and I go, ah, you know what? I think it needs two more layers. It needs a, another moisture barrier because I don't trust that little flimsy stuff. And like, I just over-engineered everything. Mm. Um, so I changed the, where the interior walls are. I moved the loft. I had to figure out why we frame the way we frame so that when I moved the, um, the framing for the loft, I didn't mess it up. Right. Um, so you learn little bits as you go. Like I didn't have to know how to do a roof when I was working on the subfloor. You know? Mm. It's one thing at a time. You're not building a house. You're building a subfloor. That then way you avoid analysis paralysis. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So you tackle one thing at a time. Now I spent a lot of time on each thing and way overdid all of it. But my neighbors, who are all construction workers, would come over and go, let's see what the little lady's doing. See if we can give her some pointers. Oh, uh, what you? <laughs> oh, oh, that's that's way stronger than what we built last week. <laughs> doing a fine job, and they'd bug her off, which was great. Which because that also meant that when the city would swing by and go, what you doing? They're like, she's fine. Yeah. My neighbors were like talking me up and going, no, she's. She's building some really solid stuff over here. She's good. So nobody's bugged me. Um, and one of the city officials remade, re remodeled his kitchen or dining room. And when they redid the floors, he brought me his old floors. He goes, oh, you, you might be able to use these. I'm like, sweet. Hell yeah. yeah. But now you can't even talk to me. Yeah. I can <laughs> fix anything. And it takes all the fear, really, out of driving around. Right. And everything you own is behind your truck. Because you're like, it's okay. I built this. So if anything breaks, anything happens at all, I can fix it. And th there's, there's no fear. I'm fairly fearless now. And a little ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bold, we'd say. Right. <laughs> well, I did not have a lot of construction experience. Um, when we went tiny in 2017, my husband and I had already purchased and gutted two houses because we are and will always be poor. Uh, we've always been in helping professions, and so we have been on a very limited budget when we purchased homes. And so we knew kind of it was going to be like a project for us. Um, and he would tell you that uh, I'm very type A, and I uh, embrace that, uh, but I want things done like yesterday. So for him, it's frustrating because I want to do it all at once. And when we went tiny in only two weeks, we couldn't do that. We had to do one project at a time. Um, so that really taught me a lot about patience. Um, and Living Tiny has taught me about how, it, how to be spontaneous and not have to schedule fun, which is still possible, just so you know. Um, <laughs> but um, honestly, I had the construction experience of like um, ripping out walls, putting up drywall, that kind of thing. But I'd never done subfloor. I'd never done insulation. I'd never, I didn't know that insulation existed that wasn't like the Pink Panther rollout yeah. full of glass stuff. And so um, it taught us a lot about building responsibly and ethically, um, choosing what was best for our home in the long run. Um, and again, um, unlike these ladies, we, d we started with the shell. So we did not build the exterior. Um, we just built it to spec inside. So um, that was uh, also a learning, <laughs> learning curve as well. So I would say coming out of it, um, I look at things differently like when probably as all of us do, like when we go into tiny houses, we have appreciation for the artistic elements, for how people brought their own personality into their build. Um, and maybe that's because I'm a female or just because I'm c creative minded. Like that was important for me. And, and I talk about that in my book too, about like, you know, we don't want to do away with everything that means something to us. So how do we incorporate it into our build? And I know for I've been in everybody's houses that is here, and everybody does that. Like, um, you know, you and Jesse have good music everywhere, and, you know, guitars hanging up and everything. And obviously, Shorty's house is like a living monument and should be historically, like, put in a book somewhere. And, you know, what I mean, everybody has these little elements that are really interesting. So I think um, being able to look at things, and of course, we've all talked about feeling empowered, and that's definitely true. But also, like, how can we approve upon what already exists? So for me, it was taking something that already existed and making it better and to suit our needs. So um, <clears throat> I uh, built a dog house out of a kit. And I built a chicken coop that, um, thank goodness for the chicken wire, because otherwise it would have fallen over. <laughs> and um, 
but I've repaired things a lot, and I've um, as a a parks and rec person for years and years, and got into historic preservation through parks and rec, and so kind of oversaw the renovations of some historic houses. And I didn't do the actual work, but I hung around and, and observed and learned and absorbed. But I didn't pick up any tools. But I'm not afraid of tools. Um, I've always, you know, repaired stuff around the house. I've refinished floors. I've tiled floors. I've replumbed a house. Um, so, you know, I had a smattering of stuff, but no real construction experience. Um, I sit here looking at my house, and I see where I hit the basketball goal last time I moved it. Um, <laughs> So, uh, fortunately, there's like four layers of roof there, so the roof itself is not impacted, but the uh, outside, what I call the frosting on the cake, is impacted, and I probably need a couple of new roof panels. <laughs> I can really see it from this angle, that dang basketball goal. Anyway, um, but, but my house is, is different than the other ones because I built mine with SIPs, structural insulated panel systems, and I did that because, as, especially as I was building my chicken coop, I'm just eyeballing stuff. I'm not really good at measuring and remeasuring and measuring again. And I just don't like doing that. So, um, and again, I, I, I said earlier today, I t talk about it all the time at work. And I, being in parks and recreation and sports, tend to supervise a lot of guys who are great with a lot of advice for me on construction because, you know, they know everything and I'm a girl. So they brought up SIPs, though. And, and I really learned a lot, and it was very cool. And they, um, and, and they said, you know, you, you don't have to really have construction experience if you work with SIPs. And, and uh, they were right. It comes, you design what you want. It, they manufacture the panels, and it's like a gingerbread house kit, and you just put it together. And uh, the entire outside structure of my house, the four walls and two roof panels, were built in three and a half hours. And um, I, I did a build party, and everybody came, people I didn't know. I just put it on Facebook, and people showed up with their drills. And, and we put the house together. It was way cool. So, yeah, you feel very empowered with that. Um, and, and, you know, then I do like the inside detail work. So I was really glad that the outside of the house got done quickly because then I could focus <laughs> on the inside of the house. Um, but, you know, I used to be, I was a whole different person 20-something years ago. And, and um, I was very tentative about doing stuff and, and was told I couldn't do stuff a lot. And now you're really not, you tell me I can't do something and I'm going to prove you wrong, number one. And, and people tend not to tell me that anymore. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, bravo. Yeah, so I had um, extremely little building experience before we started the Tiding Traveling Theater. Um, I'm from Newport, Rhode Island, so I've worked on boats my whole life. But boats and tiny homes though very small spaces are very different to work on. So if you want me to varnish, I mean, <laughs> great. I have some experience in that, but as far as building a house, I had none. Um, we designed this house ourselves and I drew it out on graph paper. I had no idea how to use AutoCAD. So I used like graph paper and I said, okay, like one little square represents one inch or three inches and drew it out that way 50 bajillion times. I'm very particular with numbers, um, so everything was meticulously planned. Um, it, what was actually interesting about that is um, we have a triple Gambrel roof line. And because I had zero building experience or designing experience before I sat down to do this, I thought that was a great idea. Um, I'm now very proud of that, but we had lots and lots of people tell us it was impossible especially in a tiny space. Um, what's great is that I was fortunate enough by that point in my life when we had started building the tiny house to have surrounded myself with tons of people who are just incredibly positive and tell you that you can do anything. And I think that was the most important aspect that I had gained before starting this tiny house. I had Jesse who's like, yeah, sure, why not? We can do this thing. His father bred him to be that way so his father is also like sure why not you can make that happen um also his mother my parents um tons of friends so when I drew out this idea nobody said um that's crazy who I loved so when the people who I didn't really know told me I was crazy I didn't really listen to them and here we are now with a completed home pretty great so everybody should go inside and take a look up because the triple Gambrel roof line 
Um, that was the other thing I learned. So, I mean, that takes a whole lot of geometry in order to like make all of those points meet, especially on the inside. And when you're working in carpentry, after you've done all this stuff on paper, when you get into the real world, not all of those cuts line up, which is a joy if you're <laughs> someone like me who really wants them to all meet up. And fortunately, Jesse is the opposite. And he's like, oh, yeah, just sort of like throw a shim in there. It'll be fine. <laughs> so between the two of us sort of operating in very different ways, we were able to get it uh, up and moving. And we have about 9,000 miles underneath our uh, wheels now. So it's held together. Wow. Plastic wood filler is your friend. So what I'm hearing is if you tell a woman she can't do something, she's going to do it, and she's going to do it better than you could. I think the <laughs> phrase was, watch me. Yes. I feel like those are yes. our next T-shirts. Exactly. Every time we do this exactly. panel, we come up with a new idea for a yeah. T-shirt. Well, so this is my this is Hold the question that I want to get to. I want to know, and I'm just going to ask it. What has been the most um, sexist thing that has happened to you while <laughs> you're building? Because I'm assuming you all at least have one story. Feel free to share a couple. So and please educate us. And also, just, just for anyone who's not familiar with the term mansplaining, um, I'm sure that's something that's happened to every single one of you on the stage. Guys, I would tell you to Google it, but I'll do you a favor and let you know. It's when you explain something to us that we already know. So I'm pointing at my dad. Hi, dad. Um, <laughs> love ya. <laughs> so anyway, um, please, please educate everyone in the audience on what not to ask or say. So I'm going to give a little context because I'm so excited to be doing this here and to be doing it with Riveting Broads. We accidentally did our first women builders panel about a year and a half ago. And it was because it was in Georgia at the United Tiny House Festival. Shorty, Andrea, and I were all there. Uh, and we did it because it was actually just a builders festival and the four people they could find were women. And we're like, well, that's fun. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's cute. Right, that's cute. <laughs> Good job. Uh, but one of the first questions, we just went off on a rant about <laughs> all of the terrible things that people have asked us. Um, the worst one I got was actually the very first weekend. I was in Home Depot with my mom. Uh, we were walking down the aisle, and there was a probably six-year-old gentleman uh, who looked at the two of us standing there, and he said, oh, he let you come with him. I wrote yeah. that one down in my journal. Yeah. Um, so then I built my house. <laughs> but it's a lot of little snide things like that. It's yeah. a lot of, honestly, even at these festivals, people, and I, it depends on how you express your surprise. People are constantly surprised that I built my own house. And sometimes that's like, wow, awesome. And sometimes it's like, really? And I'm like, I'm sitting there with my mom. There's literally a picture of us in the loft building it. Yes. <laughs> yes, we did this. Yes, it's true. Women can build things. So I think I that the man in Home Depot was the most overt one. Um, but it's just that constant surprise. That's what really, really adds up with you. The fun one I'll throw in is that I, uh, I was building over my birthday. And so halfway through the build, my mom and I went to go get massages. And my masseuse uh, was a, a young man. And he worked with cars. And he was a masseuse. So apparently he made his living tinkering with his hands. And I, I was all dressed up because it was my birthday. And so I was wearing a dress. And you have to be, I don't walk into Home Depot wearing dresses because then people are like, uh, what do you need? And I'm like, well, I need this very specific kind of uh, nails for my nail gun. And they're like, so you need nails. And they point you to the nail section. I'm like, no, 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 I need X, Y, Z kind of nail. And they're just constantly, it's like speaking a different language. Uh, but if you walk in in like sawdust covered clothes with a hammer in your pocket and you're like, I need these nails. <laughs> Uh, Do you have to say it in a lower voice in order sometimes, to get your hands? Yeah. <laughs> Wear a mustache. Yeah. yeah. Right? I mean, I've got short hair. I could just bind them down yeah, and show up and be like, I need <laughs> some nails, please. Oh, there you go. Yeah, tiny house t-shirts. Tiny helps. house t-shirts. <laughs> yes. Okay. But um, what was I saying? I got distracted by the nails. Um, oh, on my birthday. Uh, so I was all dressed up, and I, and he started working on my back. I was like, I probably have some knots in this shoulder. Um, and he started working on it. He was like, my God, your entire right shoulder is a single knot. He, what have you been doing? I was like, well, I, I've been working a nail gun for the past three weekends. And he just went silent for like the rest of the massage. But he got all the knots out, so it was okay. <laughs> I think most of ours are going to start with, so I was at Home Depot. Yeah. <laughs> it is honestly the worst place 
until you get, to, if you have a local one, always go to the same one. Um, I can't get help with anything now because they're like, don't talk to her. She knows what she's doing. <laughs> um, I just, I went in a few weeks ago and I needed, needed to have some cuts, just straight cuts. I'm like, I don't want to set up the saw at home. Just cut this down. Took a half hour to find somebody who would look at me because I had already embarrassed most of them. <laughs> um, but that's, unfortunately, I'm a bit of a cantankerous person. So when, when dudes come up to me and they go, can I help you find something? I'm on the floor literally with 20 plumbing pieces laid out and I'm trying to figure out because I designed a brand new water system. It's freaking fantastic. <laughs> and I will, I'm working on uh, patenting the plans for you so that y'all can make them too. Um, so I'm sitting on the floor designing this thing and they're like, you look lost little lady. And I'm like, mm, no, no, I'm not. But you don't have what I need. I need something that goes here, but it's shaped like this. And they're like, well, why would you do that? So I said, well, this is what I'm building. And I explained the water system to him. He glazed over. Mouth was literally open. And he's like, I don't think we have any of that. <laughs> I've never seen that before. I'm like, I know. I just designed it. But I need a piece that looks like this. He goes, okay. <laughs> and then they back away slowly. It's super fun. Um, what was really cool, and this was an older gentleman, like he's in his 60s and, you know, holding it down at the Home Depot. He comes back with like a basket full of other things and, and it's like, would any of this work? This is so cool. I want to see it when you get done. Yeah. So like word has spread. And now when I go in there, like they have the new guys at the Home Depot who are like, oh, she looks lost. And somebody will hit them. Right. They're like, no. They're like, Don't talk to her. No. No, she's going to embarrass you. <laughs> But it works. It totally works. And and now they come and ask me about it. They go, hey, you got any new photos? And it's it's totally changed, like, my interactions. But fortunately, like, my neighbor who, you know, like, hooked me up with a, a workshop the first time around, um, he's a contractor mm. and does not talk down to anybody. So I can go to him, ask stupid questions, and he'll teach me something, and then he gets out of the way. Wow. Because he knows he's like she wants to do it, right. so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like do it for her and then I saved the day and then he's she's not gonna mansplain it for he you. He does not mansplain, and it's the most beautiful thing. But that that's helped a whole lot be having people like that in my life. So then when I go to a place and I go, no, no, I'm pretty sure I know what I'm doing. I, I actually do, mm. and that's super helpful. And now you're educating them. Oh, it's great. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, I have always worked in a male-dominated fields, and I kind of freaking love that. And um, not because I'm necessarily like a burn-your-bra feminist, but because I just want, I like that challenge. And if I'm not challenged, I'm going to move on to something else. So even the time I spent as an educator, I was teaching um, young adults coming out of incarceration. So I was doing things that most people did not want to do. And uh, by the way, like a boss. And um, so yes. when it went to when it came to building, I didn't really have a. there was a guy who was a carpenter and I was not asking him a question. I guess he was confused and thought I was. And he said something about me being a secretary, to which my husband literally took a step backwards and said, you're going to need bail money. <laughs> and uh, it was cool. Not I a great it, husband. And we moved. He's the best. And um, it's funny because we would go in places like that. He's like all muscle and tattoos and has a mohawk, but people are most afraid of me, as yeah. they should be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I will say my worst issue was in buying our haul our tow vehicle. So we haul our own house, and we knew we were going to do that. So that was um, the best and worst decision probably in going tiny because it cost more than our home, and yikes. Mm. But that being said, um, when my husband and I met, we were doing adaptive programming for at-risk youth. And so I was driving, you know, kayak trailers and boat trailers and so and trucks and backing them in, and I've done all that stuff. And... Um, I mean, I can't build a car, but I know about motors enough to talk about them and research. And I'm not stupid. I'm not going to go into any situation not knowing what I'm talking about. Right. And so going in there, Darren, <laughs> at the Chevy place in Ohio, you're the worst if you're listening. Um, there is a video series of me complaining about Darren on themamaontherocks.com if you need a laugh. Um, and I told Darren what was up. So... We went there to buy a truck. I told him what we, my husband was with me, and my husband is a mechanic. He's a diesel mechanic. We were buying a diesel truck, okay? So clearly he should be the one that talks, but he's not as vocal as I am, so there you go. And so I said, here's what we needed. I knew what we needed. I knew our budget. We had researched what they had on the lot, and 
he said, well, we have this, this, and this. None of what were what we were looking for. He then, and I said, no, here's what we want. Here's what we need. So he said, okay, well, I have, I have one I think you want to test drive. So he takes me out back, and it is a Dodge 1500 or whatever. And, uh, yeah, a Dodge Ram. So, anyway, the point is, if you know anything about tow vehicles, our house is 18,000 pounds fully loaded. So you're not going to pull anything with that, with an F-150 or a Chevy or a, I mean, it doesn't matter what brand it is. One, yeah, one ton ain't working it. And I said, Darren, love your little heart. Um, I had thanked him for his service. He was a veteran. We had talked about that. And uh, he said, uh, th no, I think you don't know about the new motors. Like, the new tow package is great. And I said, honey, um, hunty. This is not <laughs> happening today. I s and he's like, well, just test drive it. I said, I don't want to test drive this anywhere, and you're wasting my time. And he was like, well, um, how? Like, I've spent so much time trying to figure out what you wanted. And I said, oh, sweet Lord, on Sunday. <laughs> and my husband again said, you're going to need bail money. <laughs> and I almost did. I said, Darren, am I speaking Japanese? Because I feel like I was pretty clear on exactly what we needed. And um, he tried to get an attitude with me, and I said to my husband, I'm going to leave before I get arrested. <laughs> and Darren, you're selling us a truck today. And um, Spence is my husband's name. I said, Spence, you have five minutes to get back to the car. Because I know he knows my process, and I know his, and he's very kind, which clearly I don't have that spiritual gift. <laughs> and he, um, yeah, he had spent five minutes apologizing, not for me, but for the fact that it was such a cluster. Um, so I don't recommend you going um, and expecting that the mail is going to speak on your behalf. Go in, feel empowered, know what you're talking about, whether that's at a tool store or at a car dealership. Because, it d I mean, I don't, you know, it could be his upbringing. I don't know. I don't want to make excuses for him. But it was kind of ridiculous. And Darren, at the Chevy dealership in Ohio, you're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, I also have had the Home Depot experience, but it, it, it is sort of, I, I turn it around to a positive thing, it, it, but I'm, I'm going to tell you, I love Ace Hardware. Oh, yeah. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware man, and they've <laughs> changed it to the helpful hardware folks, but it really is the helpful hardware man still, and Ace has been wonderful. So I don't have any too many uh, hardware horror stories because I didn't buy too much from Home Depot, and I do love Ace Hardware. And they do recognize me when I come in, and they're like, what you doing now? It's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I do always wear my tiny house T-shirt. <laughs> anyway, my most unbelievably sexist experience, surprise, surprise, happened on the reenactment battlefield. Wow. We set up. Really bringing it old school. Oh, yeah. We set up. My house is the centerpiece for a little village now that we set up in Florida. And everybody sets their tents up around my house so that it looks like a little town on the battlefield. And then we get raided as part of the event. And, um, you know, but then they come and visit. But it's, it's all first person. It is way so much fun. And uh, they never knew that girls like to play as much as the soldiers like to play. But, yeah, we do like to play and we have fun. And I have a pistol that is not loaded that I put in people's faces and say, get off my porch and stuff like that. <laughs> Anyway, after one of the battles, when we're all back to being 21st century girls, um, some guy comes up and he sticks his Confederate head in my window and he says, your husband must love you very much. And I said, why do you say that? And he said, because he built you this house to play in. Oh. Need I say any more? <laughs> Yeah, really. I think we're all <laughs> boiling on the stage a little bit. <laughs> 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 oh my god! No, I was raised up here, but I have lived in the South for a very long time, so I have learned to bite my tongue because I'm a Yankee behind enemy lines. <laughs> <laughs> and so I very kindly said, um, "No, sir, I don't have one of those. I built this myself." And we let it stay right there. Nice. Way to compose yourself. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> I don't think I have a story that juicy. <laughs> but, uh, if wow. <laughs> if you don't have a story, that's amazing. Well, no, I mean, we certainly all have stories. I was going to say, I'm sure you e do. And actually, I was thinking, like, even yesterday in, like, super liberal Massachusetts, somebody came into the tiny house and they were like, oh, so that guy built you this home? Like, when did you sort of move in? And it's 
right. And I'm like, I built this house. I did this thing. So, I mean, it's true. You really sort of have to like represent yourself. And I've definitely gotten more of a backbone. I'm used to working in male dominated worlds. Um, but normally it's in like a boating situation where you have a male captain and you sort of have to just like smile and nod and, and do the thing where you're like, well, maybe what do you think about this when really it's the most obvious answer and you need them to just say, yes, I agree with you. Um, but building your own houses, or at least in my case, it's definitely taught me to say like, this is exactly what I need and this is exactly what I want and I'm going to get it because this is my time and my money, yeah. Um, yeah. which is kind of great. The other thing, once upon a time in Home Depot, um, <laughs> we were in Home Depot um, and... Of, this happens all the time too, but I'll walk in with Jesse and uh, we're, uh, yeah. And so I'll ask somebody a very specific question about a very specific thing, whether it's plumbing or electric um, or whatever else. And then they turn to Jesse and they ask, uh, they give him the answer. And of course, Jesse is just like, I have no idea what anybody's <laughs> talking about. <laughs> so it's one of those things where he's like, talk to her. She's the one that asked the question. I'm very lucky that I have somebody in my life who's like, no, 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 no. Look, look at the lady. Look at the lady. She's the one that's, that has, you know, the, she's the one that's jotting this stuff down on me. Um, so sort of situations like that. But yeah, nothing as juicy as being asked <laughs> if my husband built my house. Well, it's I, I think it's cool because, you know, we kind of look at these movements and we look at the people who live in them as kind of almost one size fits all. Like you have to be a certain kind of person or a persona or mindset. Um, but I think that the five of you are testament that all walks of life build tiny houses. You don't have to start with any specific skill set. If anything, it it's a huge confidence builder because I'm talking to five really confident, self-assured, convicted women. And I think no, that we're, <laughs> we're not convicted yet. There's no bail money. Uh, excuse me. By convicted, I, I meant with your principles. have conviction. Darren, <laughs> we're going to get you, Darren. No, I'm kidding. Light and love, Darren, light and love. No, but seriously, I think it's I think it's testament to the fact that you can start something. You don't necessarily have to have it all. I go through this all the time. I'm like, could I do this? But talking to the five of you, I know I could do it. And the more I listen to you, the more I realize that being a woman is a superpower because we're so adaptable. We Exactly, exactly, the Wonder Woman. Are was you, actually wait, are you, shirts. Are you Wonder Woman? Is that <laughs> you? Yeah, I'm not Wonder Woman, but I know Wonder Woman. Okay, well, she's a celebrity on the schoolie net, yep. dot net. Oh. Anyway, um, we're, we're getting, we're close to the end of our podcast, so I want to leave this with um, a very open-ended question of how has uh, being a woman em empowered you and made your house better, made your life better, made your ability to adapt to this lifestyle? How, how has it helped you? Um, so I was actually on this podcast leading up to the Tiny House Festival, and we talked a lot about the fact that unlike some of my colleagues here, I work in a completely female-dominated sphere. I'm a community artist, right? I went, I went to school for painting and then for education and then for community building. I love it. I go through entire days and see no men. No offense. Uh, <laughs> but I think one of the things that's really empowered me about this build and, and the tiny house world is, is re-entering those male-dominated spheres. Because I felt like when I chose this profession, I kind of gave up my feminist card. Because uh, I was doing something that women have always been allowed to do, which is taking care of people. Uh, but I'm really good at it. I like to do it. And I want to do that professionally. Um, and so seeing that, that these spheres are really artificial, um, that it's all really yes and... Um, has been a really powerful part of it and being able to go back and forth and say, you know, actually it is incredibly feminist to lead a human resource-based community organized business and take care of people and do that well. Um, and same with the tiny house movement. I, uh, I, my favorite part of this is honestly, no, no offense, once you all leave, we hang out. Like this, this banter is because we've been living together for three days on this, on this property right here. And that community, the, the women who I can call, I've called Shorty, I've called people. I'm like, actually, I'm going to end on this. Oh, yeah. I'm going to end on this. Um, 
My scariest thing with the tiny house was driving it. Was driving it myself. And because we're here, I have to share this anecdote. Um, so I built my house. I paid someone else to drive it a couple of times. And then I was telling us, I was like, you know, I really want to drive it because I'd seen Shorty drive her house. I'd seen Andrea drive her house. I was like, my plan was always to be able to rent a truck and drive it because rather than spending more than the house on a truck, you can spend $150 a day at Enterprise. Um, and, or you can, <laughs> $110, $100. Um, so you can pay a lot less, rent it for a day and move it yourself. You just have to be confident enough to do that. I wasn't. I'm a very confident person, but driving my entire life behind me, I mean, in Massachusetts in particular, we've got really narrow roads and really low bridges. Um, so I was really nervous. And I was down at the Manassas, Manassas Festival, and I was talking with Andrea about this, and she was giving her whole spiel about how I built this all myself, and I, I know everything and in the best way, and... And she was hitching up her truck, and I went up to her, and I was like, Andrea, is there any way that just for a second I could drive your house? And she said, yes. There's a video of me, like, play driving Andrea's house in circles around an empty festival grounds after the festival, practicing backing it up. Both Alex directions. Eves, yeah, both directions. Uh, she was sitting next to me the whole time while I was driving her entire life savings uh, around her entire house. Um, so I think that's my favorite part. And now I drive myself. Yes. Yeah. Because, you can do it. because I can do it and because another fabulous woman in this movement told me I could do it. Yes. And that's why we're here. Heck yeah. <laughs> I love that story. I love telling that story because they go, what happened to your chocks? I'm like, oh, we drove over them. <laughs> I'm, we're hitching up the house, and I'm going through all the steps to make sure this is hooked up and chain this down, make sure this won't come out. You know, it's a pin locked. And don't forget to walk around your house and make sure you've picked everything up and all your jacks are up. Well, that's the part I forgot to do. Nope. <laughs> I'm telling her what to do, and I forgot to check and, and pull my chocks out from under the wheels. We drove right over those. 350. Nice. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. Nothing less than a 350. <laughs> um, I... I work in an incredibly male-dominated field, but I grew up with an engineer, so it makes sense. My mom is a bookworm and an artist, though she won't admit it. We're working on that. So I've been an artist since I can remember. I've been building systems and fixing stuff since I can remember. I've been in research for 20 years, so I'm a statistician. I work with a bunch of eggheads, and I love it. Um, I build computers. Like I do a lot of different things. So what I love is that I never got pigeonholed. Like I'm female and I can do all the things. Um, so the dudes come in my house and they're like, "Oh, look at this woodwork! I can't believe that's some really nice. That's really nice work." And they're looking at all the hardware stuff. And the women come in my house and they go, "This place feels comfortable. It smells good. Look at all the shoes." Yeah. <laughs> How'd you fit all those shoes? I have like 40 pairs of shoes Follow in my house. Question. I like me some shoes. <laughs> um, but like I get to do both things and I don't know too many dudes who can do that. And I think that's probably one of the superpowers that comes with being a, a girl who has been very, very inundated with the male dominated everything. Uh, but I get to play both roles. I get to be a rock star carpenter and have bomb lighting and, and oh yes, I cook all the time and, and I have all the shoes and look at my scarves oh my god right. so I get to I get to play both and but it shows in my house I bet it's airtight and well insulated and all oh, that honey. good stuff oh yeah honey so yeah I I did go overboard by about two layers on my house <laughs> so better safe than sorry that thing is airtight <laughs> um I think for me uh I are I am really good at being pregnant because if you can't see up here the, the you can't see guys that are listening to this later these are five hot babes up here of all different ages and sizes and um, I always talk about being a woman of size and I am super proud of every inch as is my husband you're welcome and uh, so I'm super good at being pregnant but uh, having like giving birth is not my spiritual gift so I had really traumatic really difficult births. And I was really empowered by those. And so, honestly, I didn't feel like I was afraid of any of it. I was like, bring it on. Like, I will do this right. in my sleep. No right. problem. You pushed out a couple kids. You I, can handle it. I, brought, I made life. Hello. Right. Yeah. And so um, I really feel like, you know, I get sort of pigeonholed or 
labeled because I've spoken at so many of these festivals across the country as like the tiny house mom. So I'm quick to like relabel myself and say, um, let me correct you. I'm actually the mental health advocate mom who happens to live tiny, but that was a byproduct of our needs. So we went tiny to meet our son's needs because um, as a former educator, like I believe in equity over equality and my son needs something different than my daughter. And so if it meant a drastic change for us, then that's what we were going to do. And honestly, it's the best decision we've ever made. And I can't imagine it different. And so for us, it was about building a home. And I had a farmhouse that I loved. And I said when I spoke earlier, Joanna Gaines is my spirit animal. And I love, love, love. I want candles. I want it to smell good. I'm not good at being a girl. I can barely dress myself. But I want a beautiful home. And I want it to feel like home and feel comfortable. And that is what I love about taking my house to shows because people look at it. And like I said, we gutted a fifth wheel. So people are like, oh, they kind of roll your eyes like your trailer trash or something. And I'm like, girl, get in here. Let me fix you something to eat, you know. And I serve them coffee and we hang out and talk and they're like oh my gosh like it smells incredible it looks like a house in here I'm like it is my house what part of that did you not get and so for me it was like I wasn't afraid of any of that I didn't feel challenged by it but I went into it feeling empowered I still feel empowered and so now I've made it my mission to empower others and I do that through the lens of mental health and how that has sort of been a game changer for us because it's given us our life back it's an it's you know, reduced external stimuli for my son, which has been a game changer. Uh, it's, I always say um, clutter breeds anxiety, and I have it, ha- battled anxiety my whole life, though I didn't know it till I was ad- an adult. And so th- it's empowered me to, to do the one thing I thought I always wanted to do and always would do, which is speak to thousands of people and help them. And I always knew I'd write a book, but I never could have done that if I stayed in the classroom. So now I get to, I get paid real actual dollars to travel everywhere across the country to talk about this awesome way to live, to um, sell a book that I really believe in, and to remind people that it's our choice. Like, we get to choose this life. So if you're unhappy, choose something else. And I know that seems like a simple thing, but so many of us are so brainwashed to think, like, I I should be in debt. I should own property. I should own the da-da-da-da. But we get to choose that. And, you know, so, and they have all talked about it being community. And I have made friends that will be my friends forever. And people have asked me today, like, are you going to be here next year? And I'm like, if Miranda will have me, I will literally fly here to hug her. The end. I mean, and I mean that with all sincerity. And all these women can speak to that. (laughs) Like, I have met them at different shows. I met these guys at Manassas last year. I met Shorty before that. Um, Gosh, I've been in your guys' house so many. I'm like, hey, I'm your best friend. (laughs) Like, you know, I'm just going to hang out on your couch. Um, But it's that true camaraderie and community that comes from having shared experiences and like-mindedness. And I can teach my kids to be kind because I show them that every day. And they give their stuff away and they know that. And they're around people that truly love them. And I could, I'm sure, say send them into your and Jesse's house and they could, my son would bring his guitar and jam out. Like it's such a cool thing that we would never have done in rural Farmtown, Virginia had we stayed stuck there. So I just want to say my friend Barbara Willis out in Concord, her favorite advice to me, this is a really talented woman. Uh, she says, don't should all over yourself. <laughs> yes. Aww. So when you were just saying that over and over again, like you should do this, you should, that's all I could say. Yeah. That's funny. That's great. Yeah. Yes. So I'm the um, senior citizen of this panel. <laughs> uh, still a hot babe for those that listen to this later. Um, anyway, <laughs> lost, lost my total train of thought. Uh, um, anyway, um, so like I said earlier, I've changed immensely in the past 20 years, and it didn't have nearly as much to do with becoming a tiny houser, but it is what led me to be able to do it, I think. Um, came out of a, a very um, bad bad situation in marriage and, um, you know, worked my way up the, in, in my business. I'm a parks and recreation professional. Um, after I got divorced, I had to reinvent a new life, and I started a grant writer, park development, doing historic parks. Became very successful at it and worked my way up in where I was supervising guys a lot. And I didn't really think about it being a woman a whole lot. I just was supervising the guys and and a lot of women, and we just all worked together. And so I I, I didn't really think, and I've never really been the feminist, and I've never really been that person. I just sort of, because I had to create a new life after what happened, I did. And um, 
honestly did not feel about very much about being a woman in the tiny house movement until last year in Georgia. And when th th we were all together, the three of us and Hillary, it just um, was such a magical moment and connected. And it that was really the first time that I felt empowered as a woman tiny house builder and thought to myself, wow, you know, I've, I've really done something unique and different. And, you know, I've always loved it that I've done it. And I've always been proud of being a Camp Nawaka girl. But that's, you know, I never really connected all the dots until we were sitting there doing that together in Atlanta. And um, it was very, very neat. And thank you guys for being part of that experience. With, oh, my book? Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> See, they're all salespeople. I am not. <laughs> I pass out basketballs for a living. <laughs> Um, okay, so that moment in Georgia led us to, to um, it led me to realize that there's other people besides me that built their tiny house from nothing and, and with no experience and stuff and how empowering that is. And, how, and then afterwards, like, people would come up to me and say and ask lots of questions and be all excited about that I was an older woman that built my own tiny house. And... Um, so I'm putting together a book of everybody's stories that are women in the tiny house world. And um, Miranda has written hers, and <laughs> Andrea has written hers. And, I've, and there's, I've got about six so far. My goal is 50 altogether of just everyday women and influential women. There's a couple of ladies, um, Hannah Lauren, and she, she lives in a van and in a regular house, but she empowers women by selling land that she gets through tax sales for $50 down, no credit check, no interest. Oh Landishome.com. Okay, I bought an acre in Arizona already. <laughs> 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 and I have, uh, because of this divorce and all sorts of stuff, really bad credit. So um, no credit check is a very nice thing for me. Anyway, so I'm putting together 50 stories. It's called Building Passion. And um, the Tiny House Edition, there are two previous editions of Building Passion um, written by my sister, who is a Ph.D. candidate in, in, in the Netherlands, and that's a whole other story. We come from a family of very unique women. Um, <laughs> Mom, if you're listening, you, you know, you, you did a good thing by both of us. Um, and anyway, um, I want you all to be here next year, or wherever here is next year for the Massachusetts Festival, because most of us will be here next year to um, inaugurate the, the printed version of Building Passion. Bravo. So uh, if you know somebody who's building a house or who has built a house who fits our definition, um, you know, send her my way, tinybuildingpassion at gmail.com. And, um, you know, we, we want to include her chapter in, in our book. So thanks, Miranda. <laughs> I mean, you did build the business to help communities, so. <laughs> well, um, I guess the coolest thing about being a female in this movement is that this just feels really normal. Yeah. So the fact that there's, you know, six of us just sitting on this stage or the whole bunch of women in the audience feels like a very natural thing. And uh, I didn't think about it until kind of just this moment here we all are and um, we're all sort of together in this wild endeavor um I'm a sailor and I was following the um it's the Volvo ocean race it's the around the world race and there was a female team uh six years ago they were called the SCA team they had a pink sailboat and it was the only all-female team all the other teams were men and so everybody bought the like pink t-shirt and we did the thing and we showed up to one of their talks when they arrived in Newport, Rhode Island. And we were like, how this is like such a feminist movement. We're so proud of you guys. And one of the girls said, no, it's really not. It's not fair until we are on the boats with the men. And I was like, that's kind of incredible. It's not about segregating women and men. It's about putting us all together. And when it doesn't feel weird anymore, that's when it's right. And yeah. this is kind of the, this is when it's happening. And all of this is happening not, you know, in spite of us being women, but 
especially because we're women and we're and men all working together, you know. So it's you being a twenty-something and me being the six, right? <laughs> well, and Nora, if you didn't think you could top what Shory just said, I feel like you oh, yeah. you you really wrapped it up beautifully. So. So thank you all. I, I commend you all as humans, as women, as builders. Um, you've all done an amazing thing, and it's just one of many amazing things you're going to do in all of your lives. So, um, again, this is Riveting Broad's podcast. This is our first live recording, so thank you. Um, we're going to link all of your info, all of your Instagram handles, books, videos, everything, so that all of our audience and our listeners um, can have access to you know, keeping up with you and what you're working on. So, um, yeah, if you enjoyed this talk, please like and subscribe and send us your feedback, any comments, thoughts. Do you like something you s we said? If you hated it, we want to hear it all. So, um, yeah, thank you all for being here, and uh, that's a wrap. <laughs>